0: welcome to rcr podcast number 122 the next rcr story revealed i'm nick and thank you for joining me for another week of roman and you how's my audio going uh let me know in the chat if i sound all right and um let's see how's betty betty's doing well uh everything is i mean i don't have any problems at the moment. The only issue that I have is losing that one hubcap <laughs> or that one centerpiece of the hubcap. So uh, that's very annoying and I'll have to get another one online. Um, oh, thank you so much. Or uh, I, why am I saying that? Thank you for telling me, the, uh, being my reference point for the audio. Uh, I don't know how this will sound to people on Spotify and iTunes later, but I hope it sounds all right for them. I'm gonna do my best to try to doctor the audio. So yeah. Um, so let's get to the subject at hand now i did an instagram live not too long ago i want to say about a month ago in which i kind of danced around the topic of which rcr story i wanted to do next and at the time i hadn't decided yet because my whole thing is i i i don't know if I necessarily will have the information to support a a full story. Like I have to go through the entire subject of what I'm sort of planning to make a video on in order to figure out if there's a story there. But the problem that I face is that sometimes I'll just start writing it because I get so excited about a story, kind of like the Ford versus Holden RCR story that I shared with you last week where I just had the first chapter written, then I realized I don't have enough to make a full video about this. And so sometimes I I sort of juggle all these different possibilities without recognizing that I, I can't really sustain an entire video on, The subject that I chose. So for this one, I feel like I can get at least an hour out of it. And that's what I'm really aiming for. This isn't going to be a three hour thing. It's not even going to be a two hour thing. I really want to keep it an hour or less because I want to have this done by Christmas day, I want this to be the Christmas special because it's somewhat relevant to Christmas in the sense that the subject of this story passed away 66 years ago on the day after Christmas day. Um, So mm, it's a situation where I feel like there is some measure of relevance there. So, uh, but on the Instagram live, someone did guess the subject pretty immediately, which is kind of crazy because I thought I was being very obtuse, but you guys are (laughs) so ridiculously smart a lot of the time. I mean, I feel like, Automotive fans in general tend to be in the sense that they're far more observant than they get credit for but anyway uh, Let's see Um, So I'm gonna read you the prologue and then you know here we go The automotive world is a carnival come to life wondrous technological displays athletic feats of engineering aesthetic accomplishments worthy of cosmetic awe and personalities every bit as colorful as the human prism allows. But that adventurous spirit often courts controversy, accusations of being a sham, a fraud, a charlatan, a carny who has no real idea of what he's doing, or worse, someone who's well aware of the vaporous nature of their own product, who takes investor funds anyway because a fool and his money are easily parted, and who am I not to do the parting? But often there's a lot more to the story than we could ever hope to know. Hell, look no further than Liz Carmichael to find an example of an automotive myth that has a much, much deeper tale behind it. My RCR story on the subject only grazes the surface, while my buddy Nick Camieri's four-part HBO documentary, The Lady and the Dale, provides the larger picture in gloriously minute detail. But I digress. And I was actually interviewed for that documentary, but it ended up getting cut. But I mean, I, I didn't mind. I understood why. So I would encourage anyone to go check that out. It's amazing. This is all just a very long way of saying that Liz Carmichael wasn't the only figure in automotive history to be accused of taking investments on a car they had no intention of producing. And like Liz Carmichael, Preston Tucker had dreams of revolutionizing the auto industry with his Tucker 48 sedan, otherwise known as the Tucker Torpedo. Here was a guy looking to take the big three head on in hopes of establishing a new status quo. The post-war years were a time rife with independent automakers looking to build the car of the future. And it was precisely the time to do it since domestic car production had been sidelined by the war effort and independent brands were capable of developing cars faster than their larger corporate competitors. But to truly embody the spirit of progress, any potential car of the future had to meld features with safety performance with cosmetic ambition, and comfort with power. The Tucker Torpedo looked to be everything and more, until a scandal hit that threatened to derail the rise of a would-be automotive innovator and kingpin. Was the Tucker 48 just vaporware, or did it truly have the potential to be the car to lead the domestic car industry into a new age? And what of the man behind its creation, What motivated Preston Tucker? Was he really the con man that some media outlets purported him to be? Or was he an honest, if just ambitious entrepreneur? Or is the truth maybe somewhere in the middle? And what's with all these rhetorical questions? Uh, Will I become a victim of Betteridge's Law of Headlines? Join me on a trip through one of the most infamous scandals in the history of the auto industry. This is RCR stories. The legend of Preston Tucker. So yeah, that's what I got. But uh <laughs> I um I I I know for a fact or I okay, I don't know for a fact, but I'm fairly confident that this video will do no numbers. But I wanted to do a video on this for a bit because it's a subject that fascinates me. Um And my automotive heritage association award was for a video that did no numbers, but won me two awards or like, yeah, it was two awards. I technically won a medal. uh, I technically won this medal for placing for the, um, the Harley Earl, uh, video. And then I have a plaque up there. I don't really want to take it down. Uh, that is that I got for the Algar Ferrari heist. And so I mean, it's nice to win things, because I don't normally win things. And so I mean, I'm super happy about that. And I I hope this video can kind of do the same thing. Um, And of course, I would love for it to do numbers, but I don't, for whatever reason, only the life and death of automakers ever really seem to do anything. Although that's not entirely true. I guess the diesel gate did all right. And the cash for clunkers did all right. So, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, All the money you guys make, can you get a better camera, a nice setup? I mean, probably, I guess part of it is laziness. I don't really expect that people are going to be able to, uh, I don't know. I I sometimes wonder if people actually watch these things or if they only ever listen to them, but I mean, it's something worth investing in. I always say, um, I don't know. I always say that, like if we redo the Patreon tiers to try to get better podcasting equipment, that'd be great. Um, if nothing else, I would kind of like to have a better (laughs) web camera for my own purposes. But that's just me. But realistically, there are any number of things that I really need to spend money on first, like getting a new laptop, because the the Q key and the one number button doesn't work. So I have to copy paste them or use the on-screen keyboard if I want to use a Q or a one, which gets annoying very fast, or to make an exclamation point, you know, that type of thing. But not the end of the world so uh let's see uh boris ts karloff five dollars thank you so much roman have you thought about narrating an audiobook i love your narrating voice well thank you so much i really appreciate that um to the extent that i would narrate an audiobook i don't really know what it would be about um i i actually was reading earlier today this book um, this glossary of literary terms, because it's a great, um, resource for talking about literary theory and composition. And, uh, it's the seventh edition by M H Abrahams or Abrams, Abrams. I don't know where I got Abrahams from, but, uh, if I were to narrate an audiobook it'd probably be something like this, you know, it's because I don't know. I, I, I've always thought about writing a book, but then I wouldn't know what it would be about. And I know that I overthink things a lot. And I think the writers who actually get things done are the ones who just sit down and write and don't overthink everything in their entire lives. Like I do. So, um, so for instance, let's see, let me find something to read in here. Uh, Um, all right, for instance, the great chain of being. The conception of the great chain of being is grounded in ideas about the nature of God or the first cause in the Greek philosophers Plato, Aristotle, and Plotinus and was developed by later thinkers into a philosophy to account for the origin, types, and relationships of all living things in the universe. Hmm. All right, what else? What other terms have we got in here? Oh. Actually, let, let me see what, what they use for postmodernism, because I'm kind of interested in this, as I will probably lose viewers en masse. But that's okay, because, you know, these are all about being casual and not really committing to one particular thing. And I figure more people listen after the fact um, than watch live, or would anyway. So let's see postcolonial, poststructuralism. Oh, really? They're not going to talk about postmodernism in here? Oh, but they're going to talk about death of the author. Sure. All right. Well, poststructuralism designates a broad variety of critical perspectives and procedures that in the 1970s display structuralism from its prominence as the radically innovative way of dealing with language and other signifying systems. A conspicuous announcement to American scholars of the post-structural point of view was Jacques Derrida's paper on structure, sign, and play in the Discourse of the Human Sciences, delivered in 1966 to an international colloquium at Jones Hope I see, I don't know why I'm doing fucking voices now. Uh, that's the problem with me doing an audiobook is I'd probably turn it into some weird, you know, goofball impression of something. I feel like a New Zealand accent is like the only non-American accent I can actually come kind of close to doing, but yeah. Ooh. Let's see. Derrida attacked the systematic quasi-scientific pretensions of the strict form of structuralism derived from Saussure's concept of the structure of language and represent, but okay, this is just, I'm going to bore you to tears, but basically post-structuralism exists and that's a thing that does exist. So, um, in lieu of any other topics immediately at hand i suppose i'll um talk about some other random shit (laughs) uh but uh okay so i was listening to kanye west's interview with piers morgan when i was at the barber today because the barber had it on for some reason and here's the thing is kanye is insane um okay i shouldn't say insane uh the thing is is that as i'm listening i think like there are some points that are delivered so soundly that they make a lot of sense and that i don't disagree with so for instance when he talks about the media and how they're like you know just the media has an inherent interest in sensationalizing things and you know and for instance like there's a lot of information on google that isn't true, but it's, it's, and that's true of like the internet at large. It's not just a Google thing. It's the problem with having, um, a complete, you know, spectrum of information in front of you that is not really regulated by any overseeing body a lot of the time. And, but still it's like, okay, I agree with those points about information it's the other stuff that kind of gets me, which is weird, you know, cause he has this thing where he talks about, um, uh, like for instance, he, he thinks it's crazy that, you know, politicians don't take meetings with Elon Musk, which, okay, fine, but also, I mean, Why, why am I even talking about this This is like one of those things where there's no way out of it (laughs) because, you know, Kanye is just going to keep digging the hole hole or yay. Now, um, wherein he speaks with great clarity and passion and he comes across in a very, almost like pseudo intellectual sort of way, but by the same token a lot of what he's saying is about about fomenting division in under the guise of supporting oneness which seems completely antithetical you know so i mean i wish that there was some sort of I'm trying to look at it from the standpoint of like literary theory and criticism and realizing that I don't know how to interface with his opinions and with his persona, because it is. So the, the only really consistent thing in Kanye's persona is that his, he very much privileges ideas over, um, dialogue which is to say that he likes to present It's it, He's part of the, I'm just asking questions, bro, school of uh, discussion where a lot of the time, I don't know to what extent he actually believes half the things that he says, but he's just trying to, you know, stir up conversation and that the consistency such that there is any, is largely in his own self-aggrandizement, which is to say that in the Piers Morgan interview, he describes himself as one of the five greatest living writers, which, okay, uh, great, but it's something where he presents his opinion of himself as an authority as w- of why you should be listening to him. And I understand that that's a hypocritical standpoint for me to take in criticizing it because, my entire job resolves around revolves around like Brian and I being viewed as some measure of authority that you can listen to. But by the same token, I don't think that we're expecting anyone to make a decision on whether or not to buy a car from watching regular car reviews, even though the word reviews is in the title, but I, and I know people actually have bought cars based on what they've seen on RCR. And I've always thought, I mean, cool. If they're happy. You know, but by the same token, it's mostly for entertainment purposes. Whereas with, you know, yay, I don't really think it's for entertainment purposes at all. uh, Obviously, as he has lost, what, like $1.8 billion in a day from losing all these endorsements or over the course of the week. So, yeah, Um, that's all I really have to say about that. And I'm not sure why I brought it up. But uh, what else is there? I'm sure there was like some sort of... uh, man, I got another scam call. I've been getting scam calls like all week. And it's a thing where I, I dislike talking on the phone enough as it is. And it's that much more obnoxious when uh, sort of people make a big show of, um you know, turning off their phone because they don't want to get bugged by um, auto dialers. I just put my phone on do not disturbed. So it's kind of a weird thing where I thought, we would get telemarketing taken care of years ago, but <laughs> oh I God, God! Oh, uh, Mr. Romaine, your social security number is under arrest. Please give one hundred dollars iTunes gift card. That's yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, let me <laughs> answer Gordon Ru- Gordy Rumsey's uh, question of what my least favorite flavor of ice cream is because he's asked it twice. Um, I uh tried this one red wine flavor of ice cream before that my friend laura uh who was a barista at the time had received the cafe she was working at received a shipment of it for whatever insane reason and it uh yeah it tasted like red wine and it was gross because red wine and ice cream don't really go together um and i heard that there was like a yingling flavor of ice cream and holy hell did i not want to try that Um, so yeah, uh, what am I, it's, it's just, I don't, I don't know why an ice cream like that would exist, but then I imagine there's any number of weird ice cream flavors overseas. Um, let's see. Hello again, Roman. I found a Reddit post which claimed that the Ford modular V8 was so anemic because Ford, Ford blew so much money on the failed front wheel drive Mustang is the story of the front wheel drive Mustang and RCR story. Um, I would have to actually do some measure of research on that before I could decide whether or not it was or wasn't. I was saying a little bit earlier about how I need to be able to read the story in full before actually beginning to write my own take on the narrative, because oftentimes I'll get so excited about a subject and just start writing it and then realize that I don't actually have enough material to sustain a full video. So. I mean, hopefully that's something that I can actually, um, work on in the future, because the great thing about RCR stories is that I'm never going to run out of topics like for the past four years or so, I've wanted to do a video on Randy Lanier, the F1 driver who was convicted of smuggling marijuana, um, or being like a trafficker of marijuana. But, um, I, I, I just haven't been able to get around to it. And funnily enough, my, uh, my girlfriend's father gave me a bunch of old road and tracks and in one of them was a subject about another automotive, uh, criminal. And I'm like, Oh, this would make a great RCR story. And then who should show up in the story, but Randy Lanier. So it's like these two topics I want to talk about and they're intersecting. So maybe whenever I, if I ever do that story, I would have it be about both of them and how their lives sort of like interact in that way. Um, see that's something that I could be like excited about in the grand scheme of things. Oh, sunlight coming in so I can get a little natural light and maybe this like stream doesn't look so shitty. Oh, mm. mm. mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Ah, uh, all right. So, um, where was I? Ooh. Let's see. Uh, so, um, no, oh, uh, things got really clear there for a second. It's Roman. I wish you started streaming later. The district manager is here at the source, so I can't listen to you live. I'm only on now because I'm on the toilet. Mr. Regular's favorite spot, Brown. Uh, I mean, it's one of my favorite spots too, because it's very relaxing, very relaxing indeed. So, uh, I think growing up, that was kind of like my place to kind of hide out from the world. I would just sit on the can and read comic books or video game magazines or magazines about comic books. Uh, but it's a thing where there's all this stuff, uh, in RCR that's embedded in like just our old selves, you know, just us being generally, uh, very introverted people and, I mean, we're not joking when we talk about like, loving going to the bathroom uh, or just sitting on the can. It's a man's throne, we'll say. Total throne. Uh, what happened to my... Yeah, here it is. Uh, sparkling water. Yeah. Fucking Wegmans cherry vanilla sparkling water tastes exactly like cream soda. Mm. It's fucking Uncanny. Uncanny. So, uh, I feel like there's a lot going on in the automotive world. I was reading this story and actually let me pull it up now because it's kind of interesting in that there is this scammer who essentially it it was committing insurance fraud. I don't think it's an RCR story, but it could be like a second channel video, maybe essay type thing. Um, So William Mize IV crippled his family emotionally and physically in perfectly crafted fake car crashes. So this is from a Jalopnik headline on the lamb scammer crafted car crashes with family cast as victims for an over $6 million payout. So says sometimes you start to read a story and just can't put it down. Every turn just adds a new level of fuckery that has you wanting more. That's exactly what this news story from New York Magazine about scam artist extraordinaire William Mize IV is like. Um, Mize used his money and his very gregarious nature to uh, basically rope in members of his family. They'd agree to be injured, and you know, it's it's what? Why are these? Why are there so many pop-ups? Jesus, I'm sorry, but. It's ridiculous. All right. They'd agree to be injured by Mize personally and then be involved in some sort of accident in which to claim insurance payouts. Um, So basically, here's the quote from New York Magazine. Uh, Mize hurt you one at a time, pulling tools from a briefcase, cold and businesslike. He'd gash your brow with a razor or box cutter, scuff up the wound with sandpaper, gripe if you didn't bleed enough for concussions or a busted knee, he'd smack you with a liquor bottle, a brick, a frying pan. You'd chug a Red Bull to spike your blood pressure, pop aspirin so your blood would stream faster, spill a bottle of your urine on your pants like you'd blacked out. Inside the victim car, women could clamp on a neck brace, a helmet. Men typically wouldn't get any protection, too wimpy in Mize's view. You'd get into the at-fault car, headlights glaring through the darkness down the road. Your dread would be coursing now. Fear about what's to come, whether you'd pull this off. All clear. And, of course, the adult dating website stuff. Uh, This is... Spam. That's what I get for not doing <laughs> slow on the slow mode on this chats in general. Um, but yeah, basically mys, uh, created for lack of a better term, uh, a crime ring, um, using flashy Christmas parties and large financial gifts to shower kindness to struggling family. And when he wanted something in return, he'd come up with another scheme. So the feds hit the ring with charges stemming from his 2013 cases, 101 counts of money laundering and mail wire and healthcare related fraud. Um, and he uses family uh, pr- and promising to take the fall, but then he went on the run as soon as the bill came due, so to speak. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. Uh It's just wild to me to think that someone could get away with this as long as they had, because you would think red flags would immediately go up and become, uh, it would be alerting everyone to the very bizarre nature of all uh, all of this. It's just, uh, I often wonder about how criminals actually get away with doing crime and how much of it has to do with being confident and charismatic. And... You know, having the lack of remorse that crime sort of requires. Like, it's not really about being smart, it's more about being shameless. So, Ale Rodas Revolorio says Hi, Roman. I love the sob video and I listen to it frequently and love the race part. I have a question. Have you guys considered reviewing the Nissan Exa? It's one of my favorite cars of all time. How have I not heard of this car? Nissan Exa. Is it just another name for the? Oh wait, no. Let's see. Oh wow, that is really fucking nice. Oh shit, that back hatch. Rear canopy. Damn, that's sexy as hell. Sexy as hell. Holy shit. Pulsar EXA was known in North America as the Pulsar NX and shared many of its parts with the Nissan Sentra. Not a surprise because this was, what, 1982? Yeah, it was available from 1982 to 1986 and came with several of the engines also seen in the regular Pulsars. In North America, where it arrived for the model year 1983, it received either the fuel-injected turbocharged E15ET engine or the carbureted, naturally aspirated E16S engine. The Pulsar EXA followed a successful strategy Nissan used in Japan of offering the economical Nissan Sunny in an affordable, youth-oriented two-door coupe, or coupe demonstrated by the Nissan Sunny Fastback Coupe, which was offered since the Sunny's introduction in 1966. As the Pulsar was a companion to the Nissan Sunny, but offered at a different Japanese Nissan dealership called Nissan Cherry Store, the Pulsar EXA followed in the tradition of the Sunny Coupe. The car's peculiar upright styling is partially due to the decision to use the regular Pulsar's rather tall windshield and cowl. As a result, the dashboard was largely identical to that of a Pulsar Hatchback or sedan. Hmm. So it's interesting because it kind of says here that uh, in Japan, the Pulsar essentially was concurrent with the Honda CRX and that they were kind of crowding each other in the same market segment, which is interesting to me. Let's see. Uh, so, yeah, that would make up for a very interesting car to review, and I would love for us to be able to get something along those lines going. Um, but, yeah. Uh, there we go. So, <laughs> I had to ban the, more, the, the adult site spam again. Um, damn, that back hatch, though. Yeah, right? Right, I know part of well, I guess this is related to the crime talk from earlier. I know that part of it is the apathy of authorities. No one likes paperwork or increasing the crime stats that can get you in trouble. You know, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't thought of it that way, but there is this generalized apathy with regards to uh, pursuing justice because it requires acknowledging that a crime occurred and Suddenly that throws off metrics that you don't want thrown off. So yeah, uh, that's a good point. Of course, I don't want to imply that law enforcement exists to ignore that crime is happening. Obviously it's not everybody in the world causing these issues in the force, but I can't pretend that those issues are also aren't there. Oh uh, Spin faster asks. Have you ever looked into Merkur could be a pretty interesting topic for a future RCR story. Um, I actually have looked into Merkur. I think that would make a very interesting life or death of an automaker type thing. The problem is that I don't know how far the reach of Merkur goes because, uh, for life and death of an automaker, I like doing more well-known brands and I, I suppose not to be cruel to murker, but brands that people miss in some way. And I don't really find a contingent of people who genuinely miss the Merkur brand or thought that it could have been something better than it was. But there's only so much that you can say about certain brands that were all killed by the same automaker, you know? So because I've already done sob and I've already done Pontiac, you would think logically that I would do stuff like Oldsmobile or Holden or something. But the thing is they all kind of sort of have similar endings. Um, Merkur I think had a different ending as far as I'm concerned. I know I want to say it was, it wasn't a yeah. It was a Ford company. It wasn't, Oh, I had no idea. They only lasted four years though, or or no, six years. Wow. That's wild. Um, Sheesh. Um, let's see. Even Marty, mighty car mods. Haven't done this one. Probably all went to cash for clunkers. Are you talking about Merker? Um, once I heard, oh no, the, probably the Pulsar. And now I think of it, um, once I heard Pulsar, I instantly thought of the Pulsar GTIR, which I think y'all reviewed in New Zealand. I love that car. It looks so badass. Never driven one, but I'd love to. Man, i miss new zealand that place was so cool it was so chill everyone was so nice the weather was beautiful the the views were beautiful the breakfasts the breakfasts (laughs) i don't know why i said breakfasts the breakfasts are unmatched and unrivaled from anywhere in the world Uh, their coffee game is on point at all times uh yeah the only weird thing about new zealand that i found that kind of threw me off was uh the lack of screen doors which you wouldn't think it's something you would notice and yet i don't know i'm a very typical american in that way i suppose in that i notice insignificant things uh like when we went to the uk and we were behind a, a truck that was for tj maxx but instead of tj maxx it was tk maxx <laughs> And I, I just thought that was so weird. And I was telling people like, oh man, it, over here, it's TK max. Blah, 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 blah. And, or like, if you go on Facebook and you're somewhere that isn't America, the little globe for the notification icon at the time would switch to wherever the globe would turn to wherever in the world you were. And I thought that was so wild because I noticed things that don't really matter. <laughs> uh, Merkur and the Euro influence on American luxury cars in the late eighties and nineties. You know, that's a good approach to take with that story in that there is some measure of influence i mean if you look at this their time was only six years but if you think about it you know this was trying to establish the sort of um luxury line that would later be occupied by you know the any number of well i mean See, my thing with Mercury is that it almost as a brand seemed redundant because of Lincoln and Mercury, but it seemed more like, like to my knowledge and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was solely for Europe rather than North America. But even then I would think that something like a Lincoln or a Mercury or even a Ford in those markets would have a little more cachet. At least in terms of name recognition than to try and boost this essentially unknown brand to sell captive imports like w- instead of doing the captive imports just freaking sell you know lincoln's and mercury's and fords and call it a day so yeah uh, it's i don't know it just seems like a european ford with extra steps (laughs) bryce graham beat me to it actually uh or no not bryce uh it was wait i I, yeah it was starlight saying Mercury, a european ford with extra branding yeah pretty much uh the Mercury was the closest you could get to a cosworth in the usa um have you ever thought about reviewing made-up cars like the ones in gta games um i mean I think, okay, so when I was a teenager, I I promise this is relevant. When I was a teenager, one of my favorite gifts that I ever got for Christmas was one year my mom got me the entire box set of the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack. So it was being sold at FYE at the time. And I actually think it was, this is before FYE became FYE, it was called something else in our mall. Um, but she got the entire seven disc set where each cd is one of the different radio stations and i would have it made me want to like fire up vice city again so i would and i would always spend a lot of time just driving around until it would get to the commercials again because i love listening to the fake car commercials like the ad for the my batsu thunder like the it was just I'm just driving around, listening to emotion, 98.3 waiting for a my thunder commercial. And it's very, just, I would love to be able to drive these silly cars that don't really exist, but the problem is that they don't really exist. So unless someone made a replica of one, like the replica kit or, or the night industries, 2000 or the, you know. I, I don't know, any number of replica cars that you can probably find on the road, uh, then I I don't know. It's it's not really something that we'd be able to do, you know, unfortunately. I remember there was briefly, for a brief time, there was a petition to get Brian and I into the next GTA game, and... Um, <laughs> which i i i just found so flattering because it, there was like a zero percent chance of it happening but it would be cool if you know uh just something ridiculous where i mean it <laughs> just to be in a video game would be so cool uh i would imagine but yeah let's see ford killed cosworth slash xr4ti for the same reason the t-bird and lincoln mark was not allowed to dethrone the Mustang. I mean, Ford takes a very um, similar approach to what Chevy does with the Corvette, which is to say that with the Mustang, like Ford with the Mustang takes the same approach that Chevy does with the Corvette, which is to say that they don't like other cars within their lineup to muscle in on the same territory, which never really made sense to me from a Chevrolet standpoint, because it's not like, you know, the people who get Mustangs are going to be swayed by something else. If you're going to get a Mustang, you were always going to get a Mustang. And I think if you were going to get a mu- or, or uh, why can I talk right? All right, if you were going to get a Corvette, you were always going to get a Corvette. And in the same way, you're, if you were going to get a Mustang, you were always going to get a Mustang and you know that's that's kind of where i'm at and where a lot of the people that i see get mustangs and corvettes end up if they're going to get it then they were always going to get it you know um that bit in the ls430 videos gold uh what bit in the ls430 bit my memory of our own videos is terrible um it was uh just yeah it <laughs> um like for instance, okay, this year's Christmas song is a song I recorded last year and was going to put out as last year's Christmas song until I got the idea for the, um, the, the fucking, the Santa swapped the reindeer about Santa LS swapping his reindeer. Oh, Zigzag was, Zigzag was talking about the radio bit. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, And so, Like, yeah, I had planned to use that song as the new Christmas song, but now it'll be this year's Christmas song. And basically how this ties into the topic at hand is that, um, the song is called Fairmont and it is a full length version, a Christmas, version of that song that I wrote as the intro and the outro song for the Ford Fairmont review. And, uh, it wasn't until today that I actually thought and realized, shit, I haven't actually watched that video since it came out. And so I go back and realize that there are all these jokes that I forgot I made and all these great points that I completely forgot about that Brian made and great jokes too. And. I was able to sort of watch RCR from the standpoint of a fan in the sense that because my memory was so bad, it was almost like watching an entirely new video. Uh, And I realized that with some of my songs too, which I've always sort of had this issue where I don't want to come across as though I have an ego, which is to say that I don't also want it to seem like I don't think anything of myself because, you know, I want to say I want to be able to be kind to myself in some regards, but I was listening to the past Christmas songs to kind of get in the right headspace for this one and realizing like, man, I'm really hard on myself because I actually like some of the lyrics in these and was like impressed at some of the word play. And, you know, I wish that I could bring more of that to the music that I make now which I haven't released and which I don't know when I'm gonna release it or if. Well, I mean, I'm sure I'll release it. I just don't know when, but I feel like songwriting used to be easier for me than it is now. So I don't know. That's just something I hope when Fairmont releases that you guys enjoy it and you listen to it and it's good for you. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why. That, that sounded weird or dirty, but yeah. But yeah, it's exactly Conaway. Kind of like y- it, you can't be too humble because that can be as obnoxious or even more obnoxious than being too full of yourself, like a yay a, sometimes is. Um, in that it feels like fault or it comes across like false modesty and false modesty makes it seem like you're just putting on a, a role and that you're not really this, like it, it makes it seem like you actually really have an ego. Um, so I've always been trying to balance this thing of trying to be humble and modest, but also not shitting on myself all the time, because my self esteem would, I, I basically spent all of my teen years and most of my adult life with low self esteem while simultaneously struggling to get to a point where I recognize that, like, I like myself, I love myself and I deserve to be able to like or love myself. Uh, which sounds really dirty again, but I, I mean, I I just don't want to spend my whole life in a, in a mode of self-loathing. Like if I can have a girlfriend that loves me, then, why am i complaining you know or why am i down on myself like if somebody else can love me then i can love me but also the only way someone else is going to love you is if you love yourself too and show demonstrate that you are worth loving because it starts with you uh sorry d- uh, thanks for coming to my TED talk whatever um question from jake hercules and he's asked this several times and i'm sorry because i keep forgetting to answer it um what are the greatest lengths that you know of that someone has taken to get their car into an rcr review all right so this story basically goes that and brian told this story on the fuck ups which is a public access show um in new jersey that our good buddy jim shulman and Mark, whose last name is escaping me at the moment, host. And uh, I don't know when it's going up online. Um, I think it might have already aired on public access. Not entirely sure. But uh, the story is essentially that I believe this was when we were doing the first Southern Stab. So our first trip to like Georgia, when we were road tripping all the way through, we stopped in Virginia and then drove the rest of the way. And you know, it's very long drive, but we were offered a car from a young man. Uh, I want to say he was late teens. Um, He asked us if his father could come along. Um, And so Brian asked to talk to his father and the guy's father got on the line and said, "Wow, I can't believe my son got his brother to agree to let you review the car. brian's like whoa we didn't hear about any brother and the dad is like oh yeah the the car isn't his the car is his brother's who's overseas and so brian was like okay we need to have a talk because he did not tell us that the car wasn't his and so he had to we had to give the talk um we're not entirely sure if there was some sort of, like, if he actually, uh, it's, it's just hard to really, uh, parse out in meaningful terms, which is to say that, like, I don't know, I guess it looks bad in the sense that it looks like he intentionally planned to deceive us, but by the same token, I understand, you know, because in your mind, um, you're, you're, in your mind, you're not really thinking in terms of whether or not something is yours. You just think of it in terms of like, oh, ask ask for forgiveness instead of permission, because that's a very young mindset to have uh, in a lot of ways. So it ends up being very difficult to get to a place where you feel like you can ask your brother, hey, let me review, or let me offer up your car. But I mean, ultimately it didn't really even matter if he got his brother's permission or not, because for us, it's just, we can't review somebody's car when it's not theirs, you know? Um, It's just, if you offer up your car, it really has to be yours for us to be able to review it. So it's very important. And that's the farthest lengths that anyone's gone on to get their car on the show. So yeah, that's pretty much that story, which, I mean, probably not a great or super compelling story, but for the purposes of this, it answers the question. Um, Let me send this out on social media so I can get... this out on social media? Yeah, so I can see if I can actually get anybody to (laughs) watch this thing. I understand that it's kind of a weird thing where, you know, my uh, uh, podcast is back, is back come... Come, come ask me stuff. Like Chuck just did. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, uh, Chuck Galk asks, "What are your thoughts on a two thousand six Honda CRV? Can I turn off slow mode? I don't know. Let's see." um can i edit this or will editing end the stream customization slow mode will that work all right try it now uh there we go slow mode is off um so let's see uh what are your thoughts on a 2006 honda crv um well i mean the honda crv is a car that um realistically uh i i don't think it's one of the better hondas and i'm going to tell you why it's not it doesn't have to do with build quality or anything like that i just think in terms of the driving experience i mean you seem well i mean i don't really know you personally but you seem like a young guy at least from your picture i don't know how young could be twenties, could be early thirties, could be teens. I, I don't know, but you just look like a young guy. And I think that that's the type of car that will probably bore you unless it goes back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but for automotive reasons, which is to say that um, essentially you have to answer for yourself what are my needs? Like what do I need this car to do to fulfill me? Do you need a performance car? Do you need a car that need, that can haul things? Or do you just need a car that for whatever reason gets you from point A to point B without much in the way of, you know decoration you know, with that, with big I, I don't know. It, it, like do you need it to be more than a car? Or or is it all right that it's just a car? Because if it's all right that it's just a car, then and you find a 2006 Honda CRV that you think can actually work out for you, then I say go for it because I'm very much in favor of people just going for things. But the problem is that, and this is actually something Civic Cruiser makes a good point, which is that he doesn't recommend cars anymore because people buy, you know, junkers and Regardless of the make and model and then blame it on him, which I mean, I'm not actually recommending anything. I'm just sort of giving my opinion on it, which is to say that if it were me, I would probably choose something else. Now I say that while also recognizing that I'm not you. I don't know what you need the car for. Um, and I can't even say definitively that I wouldn't get one because I don't know what my circumstances are going to be in the future. For all I know, maybe I just need something that is going to get me around for cheap because I'm in a space where I don't know, you know, realistically, if I'm going to be able to swing a more expensive car than a used 2006 Honda CRV. Uh And Chuck, you said, I need a car that is reliable, practical, fuel efficient, and good in the winter. Well, Um, I mean, I think you could do worse than a Honda CRV realistically, but, um, if it were me, I'd probably go for like, Hmm, what would I go for? I mean, a forerunner, a RAV4, uh, an Outback, a Forester, um, I don't know, Pontiac vibe. That's actually not a bad suggestion. I mean, they're not the best cars by any stretch of the imagination. And I suppose you could kind of argue that they're not even technically good, but I mean, my family had a Pontiac vibe for years and that thing took a beating. And it wasn't until my brother kind of crashed it that it didn't really, that it ended up uh, being just totaled insurance waved it off. It was just no hope, but that was a really good car, uh, for our needs as a family at the time. Uh, but yeah. Oh, Mazda CX-5. That's a good suggestion. I would actually go one up and say a CX-7 because those are pretty reliable in the winter in my experience, but, uh, yeah, let's see. Hi Roman. do you have any opinions on the Chevy Spark EV? Only reason I ask it is they have some of the highest torque outputs for cars without getting to high-end EVs like the Model S or Polestar. Um well, the Chevy Spark EV, I feel like this this is the type of thing where um I feel like companies like like the American like the big 3 um are trying to find a way to make electric vehicles as pal- palatable as possible to people who don't like electric cars or who've decided that they don't like electric cars so with you um with, with the idea of getting uh a, a sort of a spark with super high torque or um, It's something that people want to be able to say like, Hey, this is even if you're not into electric cars, here's a possibility for something, you know, even if it seems kind of incongruent between what the horsepower rating is and what the torque rating is and what the actual power output or or not power, but the actual range output of the car is there needs to be all these other add-ons that make it seem as much like a traditional internal combustion car as possible because people there's just an antithetical attitude towards electric cars so that's kind of where it's at um i would kind of like the opportunity to drive one of those if for no other reason than to experience what kind of It just feels like way more torque than anyone could possibly ever need, and yet I could see why it would be utilized in a car in that way, in the sense that you're trying to compensate in some way, I would think. but I'm kind of where Fisher Arter is at, which is to say, nah, screw EV haters make the car more efficient and weird looking. I mean, I'm all in favor of weird. And, uh, it's just something that I kind of have always been on the favor of. Um, the more unique, the better, just because a lot of cars are really all too samey today. That's kind of why I didn't mind the Mustang EV. Yeah. You know, like I liked it because even as it is anathema to the idea of what a Mustang is, I still f- felt like it captured the spirit while delivering a unique look that is, it's this incongruous feeling of, you know, why is the Mustang an SUV now? Uh, but I absolutely understand why people hated it and don't really blame them for it. Um, yeah, we do need more weird looking cars in general, kind of why I hope the Citroën, a me, somehow gets stateside. And Rocky LaRouche says, I'm so averse to EVs because I've yet to drive one that feels connected enough that doesn't cost as much as three of my own cars. That's a fair point. I mean, yes, some EVs are dropping in price over time so that you can get in on the base level for under 30000 I want to say, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so don't quote me on that. But if not under, then around that general area. But the problem is, is that... I don't think the base level is enough to really turn the tide in favor of an electric vehicle for someone who's not already predisposed to thinking that way so that, you know, you really need to go up a trim level or two to really get an experience that you're going to want to compare to the cars that you maybe already have. And for that cost, yeah, you can have probably three decent used cars for that price. But again, the issue is like, the used car market being what it is is do you are you going to be able to find a used car that is everything you want it to be much less three of them you know what i mean but i'm sure you know rocky you already have your cars and i don't know if you're happy with them um, i'm sure you can tell me in the chat if you are but uh i mean if you're happy with what you have I, that's my thing is like, if you're already happy with what you got, I don't see a reason to try to see if the grass is greener, because I guess there's some sort of, there is a lot of risk involved in that once you commit to a purchase like that, you're essentially, I don't want to say stuck, but you know, cars depreciate in value. They're not land. It's just something that's a fact that even if it's perfectly garage kept, you know, it's, what are you going to do? Um, Rocky, Rocky says, absolutely love my eighteen three and the 92 Corolla all track wagon. Hmm. Those are not bad choices. Um, Jake Hercules drove a citrone Amy in France. Quirky for sure, but it made a golf cart feel premium. <laughs> ah, now I'm interested. Uh, so there was a question up top a little while back. Um, Esker Outcome asked that. And I suppose this was related to the story about the person who lied to try to get on RCR uh, and the subsequent ruling that you have to own your car in order for us to review it. Did that rule exist before the lying event or did it come out of it, i.e., remember the Millvale Neon? Um, And I believe that is a video essay of Brian's that you can look up if you type in Millvale Neon. uh, Millvale Neon, excuse me and uh i do not recall i want to say that it it was kind of a an unofficial case-by-case rule which is to say that there were a lot of rules that we said we were gonna hold fast to where um like nobody under 21 would have their car reviewed um but we didn't really stick to that because it went on a case-by-case basis and then now it's a hard and fast rule that like you gotta be at least 18 for us to review your car. But if I remember correctly, it was always that we would prefer that you owned your car and only under special circumstances would we break that, such as like, it's a super rare car and we you know, wouldn't be able to get it otherwise. But I believe after that, it became kind of a concrete rule and has been ever since that you have to own your car it has to be in your name. Like it's It's just, it just has to be um, just for liability purposes and everything. Um, Bob, other than family and girlfriend, what's keeping RCR in PA? It seems like you have a love-hate relationship with the area and with YouTube, you could relocate anywhere, right? Um, my thing is that I absolutely love Pennsylvania and never wanna leave. <laughs> Um, because even if I complain about it, you know, it's been my home for my entire life and I do love it. It's, but also in a very Puerto Rican kind of way, I want to be near my family. I love my family. And the idea of being away from them is painful to me. And, um, I'm very fortunate to be with someone who loves her family too and you know doesn't appear to want to leave the state for now anyway i mean if it got to that point i imagine i would think about it but it's a thing where i don't know rcr is also such an inherently pennsylvania show that you know it's eh. yeah and pa is close enough to new york city you don't have to live in new york city pretty much Hmm. Let's see. Uh, I'm sure there are questions up here. Um, Hi, Roman, I know you used to review TV shows. Have you ever heard of an animated web series called Hell of a Boss? And what's your opinion on it? Um, I have not heard about it, um, unfortunately. And uh, actually, let me type it in, see if I have, And, and just not recalling. Yeah, no, I haven't. Sorry. It it looks cool though. Um what is it about? It revolves around the misadventures of the employees of IMP, an assassination company in hell. Huh, that's a hell of a premise. Hell of a premise. See, I love hearing about premises of things. Um actually, that's something uh I can kind of look up here for shits and giggles. Uh, so have you, has anybody in the chat ever heard of the, the blacklist, which is to say not the TV show with James Spader, but the um, collection, uh, it's basically um, an annual list that is um of Hollywood screenplays of unproduced Hollywood screenplays as voted on by people within the industry. And so a lot of the biggest scripts, things that, and they're original scripts. These aren't franchises. You're you're not going to see a Marvel movie pop up on the blacklist. No, no offense to Marvel movies. I fucking love them. But um, these are all, you know, from discovered screenwriters, undiscovered yet represented screenwriters, um and every year the list comes out and you really want to be ranked number one because then that gets tons of eyeballs on your scripts but there's a lot of things that you know don't worry darling was on the blacklist i read it when it was on the blacklist a few years ago and um it was a really interesting read and the eventual movie ended up being a lot different from what came out but uh the story essentially is that one of the things I love about the blacklist is just reading interesting premises. So Hell of a Boss sounds great because it sounds like a blacklist premise, but then I look at the most recent blacklist from 2021 and it is just, all right, I'll read you some of these um, premises for movies. So, and you, you tell me which ones you'd actually go and see. So this is the one that ranked number one on the blacklist this year. Um, Nothing happens if you win or if you get number one, it's just this list gets a lot of eyeballs on your script and suddenly it becomes a hot property and maybe there'll be a bidding war to try and between the studios to try and produce your script. Um, But it's Cauliflower by Daniel Jackson and the premise under the cruel guidance of a mysterious coach, An ambitious high school wrestler struggles to become a state champion while battling a bizarre infection in his ear that both makes him dominant in his sport and threatens his sanity. That's kind of a cool premise. And it's pithy. Like when you explain it in the little, like the byline log line or whatever they're yeah, log line, I think Um, it is a, a type of, script that you can explain to people and say like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting because you're not, it's not some long drawn out premise. It's kind of gets to the point and it grabs your attention. It's like, okay, well, why why would the infection make him better at his sport? But also what's the nature of it? What's the backstory here? Um, Let's see the next one. See how they run by Lily Hollander. Blind mother moves into a remote farmhouse with her young daughter, but the mystery of the home's previous inhabitants intrudes upon her attempts to repair their relationship. Um, that sounds interesting, but I don't know. It doesn't feel like it doesn't hook me, I suppose, but maybe the script is really good. I mean, obviously, it must have something going on if it came in at number two. Um, Divorce Party by Rebecca Webb. Patricia Ford feels pretty good about trading her South Boston roots for a perfect life on New York's Upper East Side until everything falls to shit and her raucous girlfriends throw her a divorce party at the home she's about to lose. As the night goes from wild to totally insane, Patricia takes back control of her life. Uh, huh. And to bring everything full circle, I'll just read one more. It's called Killer Instinct by Lillian Yu. Um, the log line is, After a Hollywood assistant is publicly fired for admitting while on a conference call that he'd love to kill his boss, he finds his boss dead in the office the next morning and goes on the lam to figure out the real culprit, all while being hunted by his boss's assassin. So yeah, kind of maybe uh, hell of a boss type of thing. Um, But yeah, Uh yeah. Uh, if you could choose any spot. Oh, let me see uh, other uh, questions that we have here. Opinions on modern Volvo. Um, We really need to get more Volvos in our rotation. Now that we have finally satisfied the itch to get more Mercedes Benz cars in the lineup, because early on in RCR, we have been pretty harsh on Volvo, but I've also read that modern Volvo is a little bit more consistent in terms of uh, maybe not quality, but just like not being bad, but I don't know, because I haven't experienced any modern Volvos. And even when I go to car shows, like I never see any Volvos and it's almost like they've dropped off the face of the earth, but. I would be very interested to find out more about that type of uh thing. Uh, just because I want a wide experience of cars, like a wider experience than we've had in in, in than than we've had in Pennsylvania because there there's sometimes we're limited by weather sometimes we're limited by what's around you know but um evolving guy asks Oh, uh, hey Nick if Toyota Corolla s the best car if Toyota Corolla is the best car why hasn't RCR done one for the giveaway um I don't know a lot about the giveaways but what I do know is that the cars are chosen by our buddy and uh, Justin Burnash who runs the company that does the giveaways because it's a collaboration between RCR and his company and i mean yeah i think if he i think it basically comes down to he just hasn't picked the Toyota Corolla yet um so yeah and that's about the extent of what i know but um have I seen better off Ted? No, I have not. And I've always heard that it's a good show, but I just never got around to it. Um, if you could choose any sponsor in the whole world for RCR, what's your pick? Um, ooh. Whichever sponsor pays the most, I don't know, Nord VPN. You know, like, do they pay a lot? I have no idea. Manscaped would have been one and we actually got Manscaped. So that's kind of crazy. Um, let's see any chance of taking the forerunner off road. Um, I don't think Brian would take it off road, but if there were an, a hitchhiker that he were, or like an Appalachian trail hiker that you were picking up and that was the only place he could get them was to like, go kind of off-roading a little bit. Well, even then I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but so I will lean towards now, but yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, other things. Um, Raid Shadow Legends, those guys offer big bucks. I've heard. I mean, yeah. Let's see. Oh, snap. All right, I'm back looking at the uh, blacklist because, you know, just content. Why the hell not? Um, so this next one is The Villain by Andrew Ferguson. The completely outrageous and completely true story of pharma bro, Martin Shkreli from his meteoric rise as wonderkind hedge fund manager and pharmaceutical executive to his devastating fall involving crime, corruption, and the Wu Tang clan, which exposed the rotten core of the American healthcare system. Now, see, I would be surprised if that movie isn't already in production right now. Like if someone saw that script and was immediately like, we're on it. Uh, (laughs) Um, Oh, all right. This one might actually be somewhat relevant to cars. Uh, It's called ultra by Colin Bannon. When an ultra marathoner. Okay. I guess it's not related to cars. If it's a marathoner, but when an ultra marathoner learns, he is one of 10 contestants chosen to take part in a secret race known as the hardest race on earth. He is forced to confront his past when he realizes there are deadly consequences for breaking the rules. Huh? seems like uh yeah oh okay this this one actually seems a bit more uh automotive adjacent than uh it appears um or than the last one would appear to be Uh, mercury by stefan jaworski when a first date takes a dangerous turn down on his luck michael risks everything to save his newfound love from her past little does he know the night and his date are not what they seem michael soon finds himself on a high octane cat and mouse race across the city to save himself and uncover the truth armed with nothing but his wit his driving skills and a 1969 ford mercury see i would see that i would watch that get a good car movie in there that isn't necessarily just like a fast and furious movie you know um so let's see uh Man, those are boring sponsors. Hey, you're not wrong. Those were boring sponsors that I suggested. Um, Oh my God. I actually thought about Brazzers for a second because I was thinking, you know, Angela white type thing. How, how can I get her involved in something Uh, fiber one? We actually tried to get a, a lemons car sponsored by fiber one, but they weren't really for it Um, sheets. I doubt they would actually sponsor us, but you never know. Uh, um, what's your opinion on the modern automaker making the turn to SUVs in large, as opposed to family sedans? Um, I think family sedans are largely on the way out if for no other reason, than the families tend to lean towards SUVs and crossovers in larger, large enough numbers that sedans have almost become the domain of the bachelor or the childless couple so that, you know. It almost doesn't make sense for a family, like growing up, my grandmother owned a New Yorker that we would take on road trips and I almost, and that was just kind of a family road trip car. And I can't imagine ever doing, you know, ever seeing that type of car back on the road as a family option, it's more of something that you get when, you know, the teenager is learning how to drive and he needs a first car or something, you know, it's a hand-me-down rather than something that's expressly chosen to represent the family's road trip and daily driver ambitions. It's uh, the, you know, the SUVs are more about that. And so like, I understand why it's happening, but I do miss the more dedicated family style sedan, I suppose. And it's not just a way for me to wax nostalgic about the malaise era or about you know k cars but it is what it is um just traded a 2020 mx5 for a 2017 mustang gt premium six speed with performance pack any advice for a first time v8 owner i plan on driving in west new york winter like my miatas the last five years um I feel like the Miata would prepare you for the Mustang better than a Mustang could ever prepare a person for a Miata, because you're also dealing with a car that is much, correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say a Miata has much worse ground clearance than a Mustang does. And that it would be a bit more temperamental in cold weather and harsh conditions than a Mustang would be, but. To that extent, I would say, um, Oh, it's about the same. All right. So in that sense, I would just say just the standard things that anyone would say, which is, I mean, be very careful about your suspension and where you're driving in the sense that, especially in certain times of year, the conditions of the road can just wreak havoc on a suspension. Um. And not just like the salt, but just, you know, protrusions in the road. And, you know, I would say if it's within your power, don't break hard, just because that's something that it really racks up over time. It like with Mustangs, just, you know, at least in my experience and experiences of people that I've spoken to hard breaking. And it, I, I, this isn't revolutionary knowledge. I would assume that it's something that happens to a lot of people, but yeah, never got stuck once, always tried to go and drive in the worst storms, have some fun. Well, Hey, you're a braver person than I am. And I'm that actually sounds really cool. I'm kind of jealous. Um, wish we had more homologation rally cars around like the Hyundai I-20. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's something that. I think is representative of the direction the auto industry is heading towards, which is performance is privileged less than comfort. And, um, I don't know, uh, profit margins, which is not a surprise, but are they really going to spend money on homologation rally cars when like what money is really coming in as a result of making those types of cars? Uh, so yeah, let's see. Um, this person Rocky says, um, I'm a Mazda diehard and it's super bittersweet to see the Mazda six die so that they can release like two other SUVs with minimal differences. Well, I mean, that's kind of the MO though. It's something where it's almost like badge engineering on steroids where cars are just being, you know, transferred over wholesale, um, with minor cosmetic differences, you know? Um, hello again, Roman. Several years ago, I asked you if you would ever produce Spanish language content for your YouTube channels and you said no. Is the answer still no? Um, I've written songs in Spanish before. Uh, I'm not confident enough in my pronunciation. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I guess I'm just not confident enough to share them. Um, maybe over time I would, but my Spanish isn't great. (laughs) I'm like the world's worst Puerto Rican. Uh, there are just things that never connected with my mind when it came to learning other languages. So I would hope that in the future, I would be able to inject some Spanish into the content I already make, um, rather than making exclusively Spanish language content, because I don't feel I'm comfortable enough as a speaker to be able to do that. But I appreciate the question. Um, let me see if there are any other, like car-related screenplays that have interesting um, log lines on the blacklist. I don't know why, but it's just, like, entertains me for whatever reason. I hope it entertains you in some way. Um, Let's see. All right, let's see. This one's Air Jordan by Alex Convery. The wild true story of how an upstart shoe company named Nike landed the most influential endorsement in sports history, Michael Jordan. Oh uh, wow. I didn't know Nike was like an upstart company when they landed that deal. Ugh. The college dropout by Thomas Aguilar, Michael ba- ballin, ballin. Uh, this more or less brings the podcast full circle from what I was talking about in the previous installment, which is, uh, this subject is a young Kanye West's intimate journey to create his seminal first album that reinvented hip hop music. So that's one of those things where immediately I'm thinking, no matter how good the script is, you got to immediately start thinking of like, okay, who do we get to play this guy? Because I almost want to say Jay Farrow, whose Kanye impression is incredible, is too old to play college dropout era Kanye, if I'm remembering correctly. So I guess that's something that always that's something you always run into when talking about scripts that are on the blacklist, which, I mean, I remember the number one script on the blacklist one year was actually a recent best picture nominee, King Richard, which won Will Smith is Oscar. And it's something where I think that once you get into stories about actual real life people, That has to be something that goes through the mind before voting on that script. If you're one of the people who votes on the blacklist, which is that yes, it'll make a good movie, but is this strong enough on the page to overcome a potential miscasting? Let's see. Also, what are, let's see, um, questions. Fisher Arter asks, have you and Brian thought about doing more state slash other stuff reviews in the RCR style? Those vids were some of your peak content lately. Um, yes. Uh, the Delaware review is actually, um, recorded already. Um, Brian is going to send it to me and then all I got to do is edit it. Um, don't know how long that'll take, but I hope to have it out. Like before the year is over. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, it, it would be, you know fun to do. Um, also what are the core parts that make a good car movie in your opinion? I think some of my favorite car movies are the ones that, um, are uh, take a look at the culture surrounding it. Um, so for instance, um, well, Ford versus Ferrari is one of them because while not detailing specifically the culture so to say surrounding the car it does take a or the cars in question i should say it does take a very insightful look um at a period in automotive history and gives a vibe of what that period meant for the evolution of the auto industry for the development of performance level technology and all those things. Um while also giving us a look at the historical figures. I'm not saying John Bernthal was a great Lee Coca but he I felt like he captured a vague spirit of the man. Um I believe John Bernthal was Lee Coca in that movie. But um yeah. Um huh. Wow had to double check but yeah I know an old co coworker who submitted their script to the blacklist. Wow. That's really cool. That is really cool. I've written screenplays before and never gotten any of them made because they were all really, really bad. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that would just be rough. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm sorry. I just keep coming back to the blacklist because this is really fascinating to me and it's because A lot of the times movies, like whether your script is even going to be made is decided in the log line, because if you don't nail that it's like, what are you, what are people signing up for when they read your script? This one is called hotel, 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 hotel by Michael shanks. A man wakes up trapped in a mysterious hotel room, all alone in a mind bending prison, his only chance for escape is teamwork with himself. So are we talking about like a multiplicity situation where there's multiple copies of this guy and he has to work with them to get out of this situation. Um, this one's called loud by Wit Brayton, a famed experimental musician finds himself embroiled in the race to solve earth's primary existential threat. A deafening sound that never stops forcing all of humanity's to survive in silence. So it's kind of like a reverse, a quiet place where instead of being like too quiet, everything's too loud. Ugh, sounds like hell. Or sounds like living next to Squidward. Or Spongebob, for that matter. Rabbit Season by Shanra Ra Wakefield. Supernatural horror about a woman stalked through a dark city park by the most monstrous manifestation of manhood during her walk home from her high school reunion. Huh. That could be anything. Uh-huh. Wheels come off by Kryze Gautier. in the year 2065, a fiery teenager with a wild imagination, her paraplegic mom and their clueless robot struggle to navigate the post apocalypse. When the mother's wheelchair breaks, the trio must venture out into the dangerous outside for a chance to survive. What I love is that I can't tell if this is actually like a family movie or not. Um, ooh, this one sounds cool. Yasuke by Stuart C. Paul. The true story of the first and only African samurai in feudal Japan who rose from being a slave for the Jesuits to fighting as a samurai in the unification of Japan. Sounds dope. The skeleton tree by Paul Berry. When an accident sinks their boat, two teenage boys must learn how to survive the wilds of the remote Alaskan coastline, endure one another, and to come to terms with a long held life altering secret. I want to say I read a book that had that premise, but now I'm beginning to wonder if I just read this list before and then, you know, doing false memories and all that shit. Uh, Oh, all right. Ballast by Justin Piasecki, a Naval engineer and her crew find themselves trapped in a deadly game on a shipping vessel in the middle of the Atlantic. When they learn a series of car bombs are hidden amongst the thousands of vehicles on board. Wow that's i mean it's almost kind of like speed but on a boat but not like speed 2 which was apparently terrible i don't know i've never seen it but that is the gist of what i've always heard about about it um let's see is there anything else about stuff that actually happened to real people I'm almost kind of curious about all of this um Wow, how long does this list go? Uh, Let's see, Black Pill by Alexandra Serio. Awkward and lonely, Jared is only able to find a community online until the day he realizes that his favorite YouTuber lives nearby. Desperate for a connection, he becomes determined to find a way into her life, whether she wants it or not. Wow, that sounds really creepy. Uh, Hmm... Dennis Rodman's 48 Hours in Vegas by Jordan Van Dina. Before, before Game 7 of the NBA Finals, Dennis Rodman tells Phil Jackson he needs 48 hours in Vegas. What follows is a surreal adventure with his skittish assistant GM that involves a bull rodeo, parachuting out of a Ferrari, and building a friendship that neither one of them ever thought was possible, but will end up solving both of their problems based on true events, I would imagine. Or wait, no, that's from the next script. But still, that's something that would probably do numbers just for the real-life aspect alone, because people love to see celebrities playing other celebrities. So what are you going to really do? Uh, and yeah, I think that's good enough to re- ah, See, but I'm stuck on... Here, you know. If there's anything in here that I've actually heard of before no. uh so yeah uh so thank you for uh you know doing that with me and in indulging me in (laughs) in all of the absurdity um of the blacklist uh so i guess i'll wrap up soon i'm just kind of um I don't know. I just really like hanging out with you guys. It's it seems kind of silly to think that like this is the social life that I'm using. Oh, Matt's heading out. Uh everybody say bye to Matt. Uh have a good one, dude. Thanks for joining. Um, but it's not that I can't have a social life, it's almost like this is the social life I prefer to have, which is to say that even if people aren't, you know, asking questions or necessarily saying nice things. Um, which I mean, you guys always do. I always appreciate it, but just the idea that there are people here that are talking and chatting, even if they're not necessarily chatting with me, but chatting with each other. I like, I don't know. I just like having a live thing going on that I kind of get to moderate. Um, yo Nick, how's the guitar playing going? Learn any new songs or write some cool riffs. Um, let me see if I can actually play anything um all right yeah i can't do it from my laptop because i'm streaming off of it and i can't do it from my phone because i didn't actually save anything to it but yes i have written a bunch of new material but i don't know that it's necessarily uh you know up to snuff just yet to where people would actually want to hear it but i can say that within the next month my new christmas song will come out uh fairmont which i did record in the studio and i'm very proud of and so yeah and chuck yes i am going to do an rcr story in the future i want to say uh i'm aiming for christmas day for this year's uh christmas special um and it's going to be about preston tucker i feel like part of me will regret regret revealing it ahead of time but also uh, because I feel like it's giving people permission to ignore it if the subject doesn't interest them and that they wouldn't really look forward to it then. But I realized that I don't really have the capacity to keep that from people. So (laughs) it is what it is. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm excited. And I want to talk about things and I want to share things with you. And so I get like really hype and yeah, and no, nobody's in this year's Christmas song. Um, I, I was so like, I mean, I still, my mind is still slightly blown by the idea that that many automotive YouTubers, like, just immediately, like, when I reached out to them, like, just immediately came back and were like, Yeah, definitely, we'll do it. Like, that was so cool. Um, Italian Ice, uh, 678, thank you for the super chat. Hey, Nick, please remind me what manual transmission car you had again and how's that going? Um, I had a Kia Rio, had in the past tense because I blew the transmission and it's it was the clutch was completely burned out and it was just gone um i was trying to get up the hill to my apartment complex when it blew and i was stuck there and i just was like and just holding on the hill and and it was right as kids were getting out of school there were no kids like in the immediate pathway of the car not even the non-immediate pathway but they were all they all got they were having like such a uh a bizarre um front row seat to my struggle with the hill and they were all like having a blast just laughing and i'm just like "Eh, yeah what are you gonna do it's kind of like i probably would have laughed too at that age and so i just had to sort of um go down uh the hill and then sort of trudge along because the clutch wasn't grabbing and luckily there was this little like mouth opening into a business nearby. And um, I just sort of pulled over there and uh, a the passerby helped me uh, get it all the way out of the road. And eventually I got it towed and just donated it to the junkyard and got my fucking $400 or whatever it ended up being. I don't remember exactly there was no way i was going to sell that thing and i wasn't going to leave it in the parking lot of my complex until i could find someone to take it off my hands i just wanted it over with but um rcr car stories on walter wolf that sounds like a very good subject that i know nothing about so let me look it up walter wolf a canadian oil drilling equipment supplier who in the early 1970s made a fortune from the North sea oil business and decided to join the world of formula one motor racing. Hmm. Interesting. I will save that to my list of potential RCR stories topics. Uh, because every time someone makes a suggestion, I always save it because I never know what is going to interest me next. Uh, I'm pretty sure Preston Tucker was somebody else's suggestion too. The same way Saab was someone else's suggestion, however many years ago. And I ended up doing that. So yeah. Um, had I read House of Leaves? Um, where, it at? where it at? Where it at? Huh. Where did it go? I could have sworn it was right here. Oh, here it is. House of Leaves. No, I haven't read it. Um... I'm waiting until I finish the amazing adventures of Cavalier and clay, which I'm still working my way through. And yeah, uh, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to finally getting to read it because I've heard it's a wonderfully deconstructive experience, very postmodern, all that good stuff. So yeah, I do have it. I just haven't gotten around to reading it. So yeah. Um, would love to see a chicken tax RCR deep dive. Um, yeah, that would probably be a shorter, video though. Um, Let's see. Because I don't know how in depth I would go. Look, actually I had an idea, like if I really wanted to be super clickbaity and try to get like as many views as possible for a life and death RCR story, the one that I would do, and I don't like doing clickbaity things, but like if it were something that I, if I wanted to be clickbaity I would say, ooh, RCR story on Hot Wheels. That's actually not a bad idea. Hot Wheels. Uh, Really good idea. I'm saving that. Thanks for the suggestion. Um, But if I wanted to be super clickbaity, the subject that I would do would be the life and death of um, internal combustion. (laughs) Because it would just be like piling into, piling onto the anathema like the antithetical feelings people have or the the animus people have towards electric vehicles like they just there is a fear and a dislike and a resentment i suppose so that it does feel like internal combustion is going away but by the same token it's kind of overplayed so yeah but if i wanted to be like a super clickbaity person i just make a video called the life and death of internal combustion um hot wheels collection all right so my girlfriend got me these hot wheels because um i had thought that i would be doing more um like streaming type stuff than i'm actually doing because i thought i would have more time but she um wanted to give me stuff for a background and (laughs) because i didn't have any car stuff in my background so um, I have a lot of, I, I can't really take them off the wall right now because they're pretty well stuck on there, but, um, you can kind of see a little bit. A lot of them are old Pontiacs, um, except there is a, um, Dodge Charger. Uh, uh I want to say, yeah, it's a 97 Dodge Charger at the very top. Um, the, uh, 1968 Mercury Cougar. A um uh, fuck uh nineteen seventy Chevelle, um a Pontiac Bonneville, like these are all just like really <laughs> um nice looking cars that I would love to be able to drive in real life. Um, but yeah, and I mean some I have, but it's a thing where I would love to own some of these things. And it was a very thoughtful thing that she did for me, and um. She also made this lip balm that smells amazing. If you want to see what kind of products uh, my girlfriend makes, they uh, which are all handmade, they're really great. It's her business is House of Crimson and Clover. It's um, kind of her side thing because she has a regular career. Um, but still, it's great stuff. Just look it up. House clover.com I believe so yeah have you guys thought about doing a regular game review i'd love to see something like that i mean i would too um i just don't know how to stream uh i'm not tech savvy at all uh now we could review a game but reviewing games like brian did review the game a night in the woods um and you can find that by typing it into youtube he reviewed it on the rcr main channel um and so, yeah, it's very interesting deconstruction of Southern Gothic, um, literature, but that's the type of game reviews that we would be doing sort of long form essays. Uh, I would be like, Oh, why final fantasy seven holds up? Why Xeno gears is the greatest PS one game ever. Why? Um, it'd be all these things where I'm basically giving tongue baths to the things I already like um so yeah it, it, i i just don't think that that would be something that would happen but you never know um what's with the cage it's not actually a cage it's actually a um i don't know how to explain it but that's literally the only part of it just that one side and it, it hangs stuff we hang stuff from it from when we go to flea markets my girlfriend and i so it's kind of like a rack i suppose uh yeah. I drive electric vehicles for 8 hours a day for my job and I have animosity towards electric vehicles. Fair. You know, you probably have more experience with electric vehicles than most people. But um yeah, it's a sales rack essentially. Yeah. That's essentially wa- what it is. Um any other, let's see, another fun RCR sort would be the history of the entire Ford F series including the ones that no one regularly thinks about like the F650. You know what? I'll save that one too. Uh F Ford F-Series history. All right, added it to the list. Like I never know what I'm gonna go for in the future. Phone is at 69%, <laughs> nice. Uh, what do you think of the styling of the new S650 Mustang? Um. Well, I mean, it's fine. I, I, I think I like that it's a little bit leaner and less muscular like less chunky i want to say than most of the mustangs of its era i think it's something that can potentially bring back a lot of the people who haven't really been sold on modern mustangs since the s197 dipped out so i mean i i like its look i i really do um looks like a gta car yeah i would actually say it looks more like a saints row car like just that uh it almost doesn't look real it's like a it's it's like a muscular cartoon uh, car but very vicious and lean and huh a light that stopped working decided arbitrarily to start working how about that um I saw it in person and I think the back is cool. I really miss the circle headlights and fog lights. Um, it's a regular Mustang on the Mach-E platform. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think that they would do that. Um, oh, Deshane1999 is heading out. Uh, gotta do math, my kiddo. Take care, everyone. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's trying to take Mustang back to the idea of what a Mustang is, which is a very performance oriented muscle car, but also something that is almost kind of like masculine. It's not really all that curvy. Um, which is to say that, you know, curves can be masculine too. I should know I'm a very round fellow, uh, see. Had the chance to ride in a 2013 Ford flex today. Have you guys reviewed one? It was so large, like a mad science combination of a Volvo, a focus and a sixties boat. Um, I have not, I'm not sure if Brian has, but uh, I would like to. Yeah. Life and death of Oldsmobile would be good. Um, Actually, is that on my list? Uh, uh, Let's see. Well, I mean, it kind of is, and it kind of isn't in the sense that I do want to do it, but I would need a little more time to pass because it's too similar to how other life and death of automaker stories have ended, which is that it's killed by GM, you know, it's like Pontiac fucking sob, you know, life of Daewoo that's That's good idea. I actually think that is on my list already um life and death of eagle uh oh fuel cut and now talk to you later fuel cut um Daewoo never died but <laughs> sorry the uh, force of habit to add death in there um suzuki definitely i would love to get some suzuki cars on the show if for no other reason than for variety's sake um yeah so let's see, I'll go for another five minutes and hope that the stream holds. And then I will upload all of this to social or not social media on to, um, to iTunes and Spotify when I get the chance tomorrow. (laughs) Um, life and death of Joe Isuzu. (laughs) That's a throwback. Um, Alex, is it bad to ship blood? Um, I mean I did a whole video essay about this called um the uh the Cameron Diaz experience, experience because if you say the Cameron Diaz if you say Cameron Diaz in Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice very slowly then you'll understand what it means but I basically went and got a colonoscopy because I was in that situation and it turned out to be hemorrhoids uh, so I'm not saying it's hemorrhoids for you definitely go see a doctor i guess but yeah um here's a random car i bet you forgot about the isuzu axiom i guarantee you i forgot about that car because i definitely have heard about it though uh the idea of an suv that is kind of oh but i did not know it, it was 2004 or like a fucking 2000 or like i thought that was in the 90s um yeah let's see That episode really helped my mom deal with the colonoscopy jitters. Oh, that means so much that it helped someone in that way, especially someone who might not have otherwise just regularly watched that. Um, wow, that might've just made my day. Uh, fuel cut. You should make an RCR car ad series. I like doing like the absurd, the idea of like Kunkleman Chevrolet over time, very obviously being a kind of, um, uh, cult over time that it's revealed of, you know, at first it's uh, that, and they're becoming more, um, intrusive over time, which is that, you know, it starts on we know where you live, but then over time, it's like, your soul is forfeited. at and Chevrolet, James Ailes Suzuki Tesla, or whatever. It's just this thing where it becomes a little bit more sinister each time so that, you know, by the next one, it'll be like. No, come on down to Conkleman Chevrolet we know that you're you know you've got to pick up Johnny from school we saw or, or you know we we know you're not home you're out and about you're probably near Conkleman Chevrolet we were just peeking through your window your wife is wearing red at Conkleman Chevrolet it's just that type of thing um uh oh, random mer- merchandise idea uh Teal hat with either a discrete RCR logo or a discrete limited time Roman logo. Uh, That would be cool. Um, I would love to have like my own branded hats like these. Um, I actually have um, on our Zazzle page, there is a a bumper sticker that you can buy. That is the RCR logo. And then on either side of it are silhouettes of Brian and I's respective hats, uh, which my mom really liked. (laughs) But yeah. Oh God, you see, you guys are better at coming up with like Conkleman Chevrolet lo- uh, mottos than me. Like Conkelman Chevrolet, we know you aren't getting enough fiber in your diet. Your children are collateral at Conkelman Chevrolet or Conkelman Chevrolet, we got your mom on the phone. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Shia Poof says, uh, Jackie Brown or Pulp Fiction? Jackie Brown for me, uh, it's gotta be Pulp Fiction for me. Like Jackie Brown is a great movie. Robert Forster gives an Oscar nominated performance. Pam Greer probably should have been nominated in my opinion. Um uh but for me Pulp Fiction is the more complete film. I just enjoy it more. Seen it a million times. It's great. Um any chance of getting the Not a Car keychains back? Uh to my knowledge no cuz that was a collaboration with a company that I don't know if they're still around or not. But yeah. It's something that I think uh I I think that it's something that I would um, love to see return. Um, But I guess we'll see. We'll see. Uh, So, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Pam Greer is really good in that movie. Uh, It's weird. I really should wrap up. I should just... (laughs) But I'm trying to think of what I'll do after this. Life and death of Scion is actually something I've thought about. Um, But actually, I haven't done um, the research to see what actually killed Scion. Is that another thing that... um, uh, I'm just trying to see if any of these kind of have similar endings of what happens um i mean toyota killed off scion but it's also a thing where i don't know if they have the same sort of comorbidities as say pontiac or amc or saab where you know i'm essentially telling the same story of just uh the cross-referencing of um Attempting badge engineering or attempting a merge with some other company and it not working out. But uh, Scion became defunct in 2016, but most of their cars were absorbed into the Toyota lineup. All right. So we still have some like moderate continuation. Um, How come automakers marketing to the youth just flops most of the time? Um, Because they're trying too hard. and because marketing is a lot different now than it was when say the mustang was was uh uh essentially marketed to the youth of america and it actually caught on because they gave them to like radio DJs and the DJs would like sing the praises of the mustang and back then it's like who's a teenager going to listen to and while they're listening to the radio all the time. They're going to listen to the DJ when they say, Hey, this car is awesome. Get this car. And they're now at the buying age of a car or driving age and they're going to want that car. It, be, it was more natural than now where, you know, it just seems disingenuous because people are a lot more media savvy and they know when they're being, spoken to in a very uh corporate kind of way it just there's a better uh uh ability to read disingenuity from corporate attempts at sublimation whatever <laughs> gm is the super villain of the car extended universe for rcr stories well yeah pretty much gm is basically thanos what are all the infinity gauntlets that they're uh trying to or what all the infinity stones there's you know Saab, pontiac oldsmobile what fucking hummer fucking oldsmobile it's like gm just crushing everything but and, and then keeping like the weirdest stuff oh they, didn't they kill saturn too um the saturn gm I'm, I'm brain farting right now that i don't know very obvious things yes they, but uh i was playing car Mechanic simulator 2021 the other day and could not for the life of me find the fuel pump on the car i knew intellectually where it was supposed to be but for whatever reason on this knockoff bonneville that i was looking at it's like i i I just it just wasn't where it was supposed to be and i eventually found it in the back but man that was a pain in the ass Uh, but uh But that's a good game. Like car Mechanic simulator? Definitely. Will Downs asks, uh, did you ever watch that Daria episode with the radio DJs at Lawndale? Yeah, that's how most people around here at least look at DJs now unfortunately. Um, I can't recall that episode offhand, but yeah it's something that is I feel like The only reason that DJ Double Lunch, or one of the biggest reasons, not the only reason, but I think the biggest reason DJ Double Lunch works as a character in the RCR universe is because it plays into the goofy stereotype that people have about DJs where they're almost not taken seriously, but they still bring that carnival barker sort of mentality to how they present information. And so it ends up being kind of entertaining in that aspect. Um, Have you played my summer car? Um, Uh, Oh, wait, no, I have played my summer car. That was a lot of fun. Um, And I hear my winter car is coming out. So that's something to look out for. Uh, All right, I'm taking the dogs for a walk. Do have a great night, guys. Thank you for joining Rocky LaRouge. Uh, Thank you. Um, Buick is a big culture icon in China as it was Mao's personal car. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Headcrab says Buick is utterly massive in China, like Escalades in the 2000s. Huge. Yeah. It, it, so it makes sense why GM or, or why Buick is still around. Um, I guess I just have sour grapes about other automotive brands that I wish were still, uh, in, around. So I, I don't know. It's just a silly thing. I'm being silly. Oh, I smells so good. Sorry. I was just saying a whiff of this lip balm. It is a pumpkin brown sugar lip balm. It is perfect fall vibes and it is unlocking flashbacks to my childhood. That is very reminiscent of the end of Tat- Ratatouille. Uh, when Anton ego takes his first bite. So, uh, on plate frame would be perfect uh on my 2000 lexus es 300 well look up rcr on zazzle i believe there are still Conkleman chevrolet license plates or i believe it's concleman uh used cars because we got flagged by zazzle for using a brand name that we don't own <laughs> so it's just yeah um pontiac died making the solstice which makes me more sad than anything else why couldn't they repurpose it into a chevrolet at least why they didn't continue that i'm not entirely sure Um, you would think they would, but part of me wonders if they were worried about it, muscling in on other territory, which is not to say that it necessarily is, um, is adjacent to say a Corvette, but I could see the big wigs thinking like, well, we can't have this because then it would potentially cut into sales of, you know, that, I don't know. It's just, I'm trying to think in terms of how corporate structures would work. And I would I could see them saying like, well, we don't want some other like performance looking thing out there because then people won't notice the corvette as much, which I mean, internalized brand competition is always going to be a thing, but for Chevrolet, the same way it is with Ford and the Mustang and Ford and their F trucks, like you don't want another model within your your make to interfere with sales with another one. Um, you don't need internalized competition to make money because you have enough competition out there already. So yeah, yeah, they do love protecting the vet. Everything performance at GM revolves around the vet. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, Cause they're trying to sort of get that, make that the flagship of their entire brand more than anything else. Uh, per Solstice Wiki, uh, per the Solstice Wiki, production ended with the closure of the Wilmington assembly plant in July, 2009. I wanna say we mentioned that in the Solstice review that we did a few months ago, but I'm not entirely sure. And I kind of wish I remembered better than not at all. Um, Let's see, nowadays though, with the engine in the middle, I wonder if there's a place for a little roadster again. I think the auto industry will always support a little roadster provided that it's made in small numbers and not expected to move massive amounts of product um or units in this regard um there was some talk that the pontiac solstice getting picked up by delorean motors houston back in the day jalopnik, jalopnik had a piece on it like a decade ago um did delorean are they still trying to like i know the company still exists but they're are they still trying to do another dmc12 Uh, I'm going to Ohio next month. I kind of want to visit the Marysville plant where the accord and the odyssey are made. (laughs) Zigzag says, Ohio, isn't real. Yeah. I heard if you die in Ohio, you die in real life. So that's always kind of been like my reason to avoid Ohio. Uh, (laughs) your soul has trade in value at Conkleman Chevrolet. At Conkleman Chevrolet, we put the I in MILF. Yeah. I mean, Hey, Conkleman Chevrolet is all about, uh, Uh, sublimation of the collective. Mm. All right. I think, uh, that's more or less a podcast. Oh, Alan Oxley says this goes for anyone in chat. What's the actual point of the Ford edge? Uh, it looks ugly, but is a weird in between of the escape and Explorer and don't get me started on the rear visibility. I actually drove a car that, uh, where is a review coming out in the next two weeks that had some of the worst rear visibility that, um, I've ever seen so um maybe when it comes out i'll reveal what it was but yeah just bomb my midterm sup everyone oh i'm sorry to hear that i'm also sorry because this is about to end soon um actually you know what i'll keep going to 120 if for no other reason than to sync up with the um line and brain damage that i always think of whenever 120 pops up in any form which is i already gave you my lunch money what more do you want from me uh the fact that the edge got an st before the escape will always tilt me yeah i don't know what actually what's behind the decisions what gets an st and what doesn't um but then again it's like i don't understand uh corporate decision making um have you watched Andor? I have not. I am waiting for them all to go up, which I understand doesn't really help. It's uh numbers in the algorithm uh for Disney Plus. But I, I'm just not a week-to-week guy anymore. I want to say Netflix has kind of spoiled me, but and I still have to catch up on the Marvel shows that I've missed for completion's sake. Um, like Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk. I've just kind of fallen behind a bit. Um Let's see. I recently had a road trip into PA to deliver a pinball machine and have a question from someone who loves there, lives. There is everything in PA, just a giant warehouse. Um, yes. Anyway, so, uh, and, uh, <laughs> DeLorean has some new generic electric car looking DMC 12 coming out. Well, if it's generic, then it can't really be a DeLorean. I mean, Yeah. Mm, Andor is really cool in my opinion written more like a book than a show it keeps getting bigger each episode yeah I, I i mean i've heard great things about it and that will be a very um enriching watch in the weeks to come i would imagine so yeah let me think if there's anything to add um i think the uh, the giveaway for the pontiac trans am ends tonight at midnight so go do that if you Want a shot of winning. I think the odds are pretty good on this go around. Um, I don't know exactly what the number is, but yeah, I would say you have good chances. Um, and great. It's typical. Tony Gilroy has some sprinkle of born. I didn't know it was Tony Gilroy. Uh, I do like his stuff, his direction and just his style. It's very distinct. Um, there's a great economy of, of pace that is that keeps things moving but doesn't do it to the point where you're missing where you feel like oh i must have missed something in this story somewhere so yeah i don't know I've, it's very entertaining uh alan oxley had four loco for the first time really made me feel like a small town dipshit drinking it definitely worth three dollars <laughs> never had four loco never want to uh that would just end very badly for me And aside from that, I don't really drink anymore outside of like the occasional bourbon here and there if I'm gonna, you know, I don't know, hang out with Brian or something. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I think that's a podcast. Um, Oh, I shouldn't lift my arms like this. I did the gym last night and went pretty hard. And now it's like my whole pectoral region is on fire. Just from all the chess press stuff and the... Hey guys, so the stream dropped uh, right at the end there, but I was in the process of signing off anyway, so it was timed pretty well. But I still wanted to record a little epilogue and just say thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties, but hey, it happens. So... Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the, uh, this week's Roman and you, I don't know when I'll do it again, but hopefully I can do it again soon. And thank you so much. It really does mean a lot when you all stop by and hang out, uh, super chats or no, I I just really like hanging out with you all. So everyone have a great day and I will talk to you later. Uh. And thank you for supporting the show on Patreon and through the giveaways and with your viewership. You allow us to exist as a much larger channel than we actually are, and it means so much to both Brian and I. So thank you, and have a great rest of your week.